0: small business focus on The Money Show. Pablo Fatidis this evening. Insight and foresight, they're cousins, are they?
1: They're cousins that when they're combined, give you wisdom. Without insight, without foresight, no wisdom.
0: Okay, explain the concept first of insight and then of foresight because they sound pretty
1: similar. No, they're very different. So insight is understanding how something works. It might be yourself. It might be your business. And in this instance, we're going to talk about how the selling process works in your particular business. And foresight is predicting how that selling process will translate into revenues for you from month one all the way through to month 12. It almost gives you a sense of what you hope to achieve in the year and expect in the year.
0: Can I undermine you completely by saying insight is the business plan, foresight is the forecast? I don't like I know you don't like business Business plans. plans. I know you don't like business plans. But it's the same. I've read so
1: many recently full of garble and…
0: But it's the same thing, isn't it? No, it's not. People think, I know he's talking about the business plan. You're not talking about the business plan. You're doing a sales strategy as opposed to a business plan.
1: No, no, no. Then you need to explain better. (laughs) Okay, they're very different. So let's talk about the two tools. There's a tool to give you insight into your sales. Mm -hmm. And then there's a tool to give you foresight. And we'll start with the insight tool. The inside tool is called a sales pipeline. And what that is, is it's a series of processes of activities that take place to originate a sale and close a sale until you can hear the ka of the register go. And typically, it's made up of four or six different steps. And it, it's relevant whether you're in the retail space, in the business services space, or in the manufacturing space. If you don't have a sales pipeline, it means you don't know how to sell your product again i'm
0: a little bit far removed from this because it sounds like a business plan
1: no it's not a business plan so let's talk about it then so one of the steps is you've got to generate leads in other words inquiries in other words people who are interested in buying the stuff that you're selling and that would be the first stage of a sales pipeline so let's say you've been successful in that and there's a knock on the door and they say, Mr. Whitfield, we want to purchase the product that you've been boasting about. Then that's called engagement. Okay, It's a second step of a sales pipeline. During that engagement, you're going to try and convince and persuade that customer, potential customer, to buy the product. At a price I want to sell it. At, at it. a price and on conditions that you're, you're, you know you're able to deliver that product on. That's called a proposal of sorts a proposition to to me to buy the thing that you're offering. The next step is for you to close the deal. Now I'm interested. The terms and conditions look okay. I'm quite tempted to go this road, but there are a few ifs or buts. And in the way that you manage that process, you close the deal and I buy the product. Then there's one more step of the sales pipeline, and that's retaining me as a customer. Do you need me to come back tomorrow or next year? Or preferably, you need me to tell everyone I know who might need what it is that you sold me, that you sold it to me and it was a great deal. That sequence is a journey. And if you don't design it as a journey, you're never going to have a consistent way of bringing inquiries in and most importantly, journeying them through a process, a story that closes the deal.
0: Can you give me a practical example of gaining
1: insight? Well, that's gaining insight. Yes, It's but a it's direct still, it's, insight it's, it's, into it's the theory, selling process. But it's
0: still theoretical. So give me a real-world example of how somebody you know insight. Okay, gains give me a product. Insight. Widgets.
1: Okay, so you manufacture and sell widgets. And let's say these widgets have – let's say they save money for somebody. So the first thing you're going to figure out in your sales process is I need to create inquiries, right? Who are the people that this widget can save money for? And let's say it's radio stations right around the country, right around the world. The first thing you're then going to do is you're going to make a list of your radio stations. You're going to identify who's responsible for buying that kind of product in a radio station. And there you've got your leads. You've got your inquiries. You then send off your email or your marketing campaign, whatever it might be. And of the 50 you send it off to, 10 people respond. They're now at the next stage of your sales pipeline which is they're busy inquiring. In that process, you're going to explain how your widget works. You're going to give case studies, why it works. You're going to give all sorts of assurances, and hopefully you'll be able to back them up. And we're at a stage now where you have given me a proposition. You've spoken about the pricing, and you close the deal with me. I'm now going to buy that widget. So we've been through already five of the, f- yeah, of the six steps. Got you. I've got you. And then at that point in time, once I've got that widget – Hopefully, you're going to look after the relationship because if ever I leave the radio station where I'm working, it's likely I'm going to go to another radio station or at that radio station itself – as it grows bigger, and as my widget becomes better, you want to resell it to me on an improved version. Okay. And that's the retention side.
0: That is getting insights. And then we'll move on to foresight, of course. Pablo Fatidis is from Auric Business Incubator. This evening, we've been talking about insight and getting how your sales pipeline resolute and sorted out an idiot proof. Then we move on to foresight. What is the foresight part
1: of the equation? Okay, so the foresight is, is obviously about building a future idea of what the business looks like. So it's no different to getting into a car, deciding on a destination, and selecting the ideal road you'd like to travel. You need to switch the lights on at night. And in business today, Bruce, if anyone can predict tomorrow, <laughs> they are a You're, genius. You'll buy their prediction. <laughs> I'll model. buy the prediction model without a doubt. So it never ever happens the way that I'm about to explain, but still it's a hell of a lot better than having nothing at all. So there are a couple of things you're going to do. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to get onto a spreadsheet or a piece of paper, whatever you have available, and you're going to put the word period down and write month one, month two, month three, all the way through to month 12. Okay. Okay. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to identify all the anomalies, the events, the unusual occurrences, the things that are predictable and unpredictable that you think could happen. So for example, seasons, school holidays, builders' holidays strike season. This year, an election of some sort. All the things that could interfere either positively or negatively to the product that you're selling. So now you've got a sense of what the year ahead looks like already. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to make a list of the customers that you've got that give you 80% of all your business. So that should be about 20% of your customers. And you're going to write down a list and then you're going to make a prediction of what you think you can expect from them in the next 12 months.
0: How do you come to a sensible prediction? Because all of us know that depending on the calculation that we're doing to suit ourselves, we inflate or deflate it.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's an things irony will, that things because will cost
0: less mm-hmm. and we will get more revenue. Our forecast, we want to be inspired by our own forecast.
1: We do. And here's the problem. <clears throat> they're two particular qualities that if you don't have them. You'll never be an entrepreneur. But if you do, they act against you the whole time. (laughs) And the first quality is passion. Because you love what you do. You believe in what you do. You love the idea of what it is you're trying to create. The second idea is going to be optimism. Because if you don't believe you can make the world a better place through offering your widget, then you'll never do it in the first place. But the problem is when passion and optimism combine – it happens exactly the way you've just said. You overestimate everything. So a little bit of self-knowledge now comes into it. Okay. If you look at the customers last year, what they did for you, then make a conservative prediction. Say so I'm hopefully going to grow that revenue by 10% this year. We've got the Rand dollar doing all sorts of funny things. There's going to be pressure on the economy. Everyone's kind of grumpy at the moment about what the future looks like. So I'm going to make a conservative growth and put those numbers down. Once you've done that, the next thing you're going to do is write down a list of the products or services that you offer. And if there are many of them, put them into categories. So if I come back to your factory, it's the money-saving products, those widgets. And then it might be the efficiency products, other widgets. So put them into categories like that. The next thing, underneath that, you're going to put something called a promotional plan. This is Uh when… You look at all the anomalies, so I'm not going to promote over the, let's say, weekends, or I'm not going to promote in winter or in summer, or over the school holidays, or over strike season, or whatever the case might be. I'm going to arrange all my promotional activities at the best time of the year for people to buy the product that I offer. And then, this is where it takes a lot of maturity, you've got to make a best guess on what those promotional activities are going to generate in terms of new revenues for you. You add the two lines sure. of revenue up. It's very simple.
0: No, no, I'll do You add it the
1: two lines of revenue up, you put it down, and then, Bruce, it's about practicing it. Because if you can create a discipline where at the end of every month, you register what revenue you did get, you look at what you thought you would get, you then see the difference and make adjustments month after month after month
0: but it's without without this level of planning without without getting the insight and then going through to the foresight process you cannot adapt you cannot catch up because by the time if you do this every six months i um, you're so far behind by month three that you're never going to catch up on months one and two ever again whereas if you're doing it month by month by month and you have been disciplined about the process you know very quickly where the problems
1: are you're doing two things in fact beyond that You're behaving as if your small business is a big business. And that means that one day it will be a big business. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is you're doing something that 99% of all entrepreneurs never do. Because it's boring. It might be boring, but it's called working on your business, (laughs) not in the business. And if you're working on it, you're growing it.
0: You know, but the most the most valuable thing that you can teach us I, at any time is this principle of working on the business, because we're very good at doing what we do. Um, we hope, um, <laughs> uh, otherwise we wouldn't be in business anymore. So we make the widget that people want. We deliver the widget, and we get paid for the widget eventually, and that way we survive. We never our cash flow is never really all that solid, but you know what? We make things. We make things happen. We make things work. Um, but it gets really busy, so we end up chasing our tails to make things work. Whereas if We'd gone through a couple of relatively simple processes, the boring stuff. Um, We may have had some alternative arrangements we could have brought to
1: bear a little bit sooner. Completely. And just set one day aside a month, one day aside a month as a discipline to work on the business. And this should be one of the activities you're doing on that day.
0: But it's hard, Pavlo.
1: I know it's hard. And that's why only 94%, only 94% of all businesses started never get sold. 6% of people do this. And guess what? They're the uh, businesses that eventually do get sold.
0: And it's a little bit like talking to Dave Crawford and we talked to Warren earlier about saving. It's about, you know, I'm too busy to save. I'm too busy to sit and do a financial plan. uh, I need to spend too much money. I have nothing left to do it. We find excuses. And in the same way as you find excuses in your personal finances, you will find excuses. And a million are perfectly valid and legitimate excuses as to why you don't do it. But if you don't plan you will hurt yourself in the longer term.
1: You will. without. In fact, if you don't plan, it's probably the only guaranteed outcome. Mm.
0: Okay. So this is all part of a broader planning process. We've got the pipeline sorted out. um, We've got the the foresight sorted out. We get to this then uh, utopian wisdom because we're one of the only 6% (laughs) who've done it. But this wisdom gives us the flexibility and the insight to run the business properly.
1: It does. So think about it. We've got the sales pipeline. We now know month on month, whether our predictions about the business were right or wrong, whether our predictions about how our customers are going to behave regarding our widgets were right or wrong. And there are a whole lot of seeds of opportunity there. The first is there's a chance to innovate. The second is you will start to spot trends because you'll see consistently a certain kind of behavior coming out and you spot the trend. And when you spot a trend, Bruce, it's a beginning of real product innovation. And that's what starts to set you apart from anyone else who just thinks up a product as opposed to responding to a market. And some people,
0: though, believe they know their business so well they don't need to go
1: through this nonsense. It's remarkable, huh? It's remarkable. Those people know I their know business. My business.
0: So, <laughs> I know my business. I
1: know. I know for a fact.
0: But, and you see those people every day.
1: Mm, which is why I, You're in business. Which is why I am in business. <laughs> do you do this stuff? I do. I do with a strict discipline. Because otherwise, how would you cope? You, <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You're looking at me as if you're not sure I do. I do this I'm, I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm
0: looking for body language. Your body language tells me you do.
1: I do do it. You're boring. I um, know I'm boring.
0: It's terrible. <laughs> you no, know, but you have to be. Unfortunately, and the boring bits are the bits that ultimately will pay, and uh, and those are the bits that have to be done. Pablo Fatidis. Um, somebody's asked me, please repeat your guest's name again. Pavlo with a V Pablo Pavlo <laughs> Fatidis from Auric Business Incubator. Thank you.